All right. Well, I hope that you learned a little bit about some people around you. I learned that someone uh, in the congregation has a boat, and so I may or may not be hitting them up later on getting out on that sailboat, so shameless plug there. So I, I hope that you learned something a little bit about your neighbors and were able to connect with them. Up here this morning is George Johnson. George is a dear friend and mentor. We met, oh, George, several years ago in, in a van. Is that, is that, would that be That's appropriate right. to say? That sounds very sketchy. Try to cue that up right now. Pretty sketchy, yeah. <laughs> um, let me, is your pack on? Did you get, get that turned on? I think on? so. I'm good. Okay. Okay, cool. Fred's, Fred's just selectively, he has a mute button back there, and he, he, he warned me before this started that if there's anything that I was about to say that he'd rather not hear, okay. I'll go silent. So just, if that happens, it's Fred. George is the executive director of the CEA, and when I, I want to give him an opportunity to share a little bit about that ministry and also share a little bit of how the CEA is connected to generations. So, George, let me ask you this. Give everyone a 30-second overview. Who is George Johnson, and then how did you get connected with the CEA? Great, great. Uh, well, my story, personally, in fact, I was just... Uh, Sharing my story started in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I was born in a hospital to be near my mother. And uh, <laughs> that, that was uh, about 60 some years ago. Uh, but grew up all of my life, uh, uh, majority of my life until my high school years in a good home, but not a believing home. Did not grow up in the church. My family were not Christians. And uh, that all changed. In the early 70s, I was in high school at the time in a small town on the Oregon coast. And uh, for business reasons, my father thought it was a good idea to connect with a local church. And so uh, we happened to live right next door to one and attended. And long story short is within the space of probably six months, uh, my father, my mother, myself, and the oldest of my three sisters, we were all... Uh, we accepted Christ, were baptized into Christ in Florence, Oregon, uh, back in the early 70s. And life took a whole different trajectory for me from there. Uh, I come from a long line of attorneys in Oregon. That's where I was headed. Had my uh, college years uh, pay, paid for, guaranteed by my grandmother. Uh, and then when I told her I'd become a follower of Jesus and I was headed to Bible college, uh, she grimly said, ah, that's uh, the end of the gravy train for you. And uh, so then uh, uh, things changed, but the, I wouldn't trade anything. Uh, great story. And it uh, just to compress all that. So it led me to Seattle to attend uh, Bible college, a couple of degrees after that, uh, 22 years in a located ministry in Snohomish, Washington. Anybody know where Snohomish is. I uh, lived there for 30 years and served Central Christian Church. And then uh, at uh, the end of that uh, season of, as I say, uh, 20-some years, God real clearly called myself and my wife uh, to a ministry that would be what I describe as being a catalyst for helping new churches uh, start and grow in the Northwest. So I've been doing that now for the last 20 years. So that's my quick story on how I got connected with CEA and 
Well, George, I'll, I'll give you the chance to speak. I, I know I'm going to give. How did we get connected? <laughs> yeah, that's a fun story. Uh, I, representing the Christian Evangelistic Association, uh, I have uh, been involved in events outside of the Northwest to try to connect with other Christian leaders in other places. And one of those things took me, uh, I was working with the International Conference on Missions and uh, took me to Kentucky. Kyle at the time was the student ministries um, director, recruiter? Something. Something. <laughs> the student ministries something. And uh, so they, uh, Kentucky Christian College had asked Kyle, he was on their staff, they asked him to represent the school for a week with uh, a handful of other Christian leaders, and we traveled across Kentucky from, uh, I don't remember exactly, we started on the western side of Kentucky, Louisville? Further than that, we, I think as far as Owensboro, like Evansville area. Okay, Evansville, Owensboro, anybody know where that part of Kentucky is? And then we went east all the way, and I had to practice this, we went to Parkville. Parkville. You know where Parkville? Yeah, yeah. If you go there, be sure you say it like that or they know right away you're not from here. Uh, but uh, we traveled, spent a week together in a van, had a great time. Uh, Kyle says we, we were friends first, but in the course of that, I learned about Kyle is that God had laid on his heart and on Ruth's heart to be a part of a new church plant. Uh, what he didn't know is that God was also planning for that to be out here in the Northwest. So uh, I just had the pleasure of being the messenger uh, that I, uh, I told him. I said, God loves you, and we have a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, but uh, as a result of that time together, I uh, had the privilege of challenging Ruth and Kyle to consider coming out here to the Northwest. Uh, it didn't take much uh, It didn't take much. Uh, appeal to them. They were their goers, as you probably know that about them, and uh, they were willing to come. I do remember keenly, I have to tell you this part, I remember sitting across from uh, Kyle's mom in Portland. You remember this? Yeah, I do. yeah, we were having lunch together, and it was, it was shortly after they'd arrived out here, brought the kids out here. How, how many kids did you have at that time? Two at that time with third on the way. Yeah, third on the way. Ruth was pregnant with their third, and Kyle's mother well, I sat down next to her, and I, you know, you, you sit down next to somebody you haven't met before, and just, just you can just kind of sense a little tension. Um, his, his mom, he's probably told you, his mom and dad both went to, they're both graduated from West Point. So if you want to know, Kyle was raised by wolves, basically, <laughs> is what happened. But I'm sitting, sitting next to this lady, and obviously she has a military background. She, she's a very accomplished and high-functioning person, but I could tell there was something just about our relationship that was sort of off to a bad start, and I hadn't spoken a word. And, and so I tried to warm up a little bit, and she just stopped me in the middle of that. She says, I need to tell you, I don't like you. <laughs> and I was a little startled because I ha usually it takes me, it's not long, but usually it takes me a while to develop the sort of relationship where people don't like me. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's a gift, uh, but it takes, you know, it takes some words for me generally, and uh, she just said that just bluntly right out, and, and then I learned she was mom to Kyle and grandma to two and a half kids, and what she was saying was, um, in fact, she said this in words, she said, we believe totally in Kyle and Ruth and God's call in their life, and we believe God's called them here to the Northwest, but it's painful, <laughs> 
for us as grandparents and parents to send them so far away. And uh, I just was very impressed by that sentiment. I've heard it before from the parents and grandparents of leaders, but I share that with you so that you know, not only are Kyle and Ruth doing a tremendous work here, have made personal sacrifices uh, to be here and to be helping Generations Church establish, but there's people you have not yet met. You won't meet until we all get to the party, uh, but their, their parents, their grandparents, their financial supporters, literally people across the country uh, who've invested in Generations Church, in your life with Christ, and in these great people in, in uh, the Davies and the Grabhorns as well. So uh, that's Thanks, the story. George. Yeah, no, that's good. This is exactly what this is for, is this family story time. George, the CEA has been involved in planting churches for a long time. Generations is not the first. We no. stand in a larger family of churches. I just want to give you a moment to share a little bit about that backstory and then also share with us about where the story goes from here in terms of planting churches. Yeah, happy to do that. Uh, in fact, I will just tell you this, um, what I say in the next couple of minutes, uh, you may remember some of, but if you stop on the way out before going out the door this morning, I have uh, printed a couple of pieces that'll give you a good overview. Uh, there's a map that'll show you the Northwest. The CEA has been planting churches in the Northwest for about 60 years. The year the Space Needle went up, any of you around in Washington State when the World's Fair was here in 1962? So in that year, and I was there myself, in that year, a group of, of leaders from local churches like Generations got together and said, we need to figure out how to help the gospel to be promoted, how to make the name of Jesus famous in the Northwest. And so they committed themselves to pool financial resources and to support leadership that would plant new churches. So 60 years we've been doing that. In that period of time, about 60 church plants uh, that the CEA has started, and, and Generations is one of those. Uh, in fact, Generations uh, is a set, literally a seventh-generation church, uh, which I, you probably shared that story here before. I think you've had some leaders here from uh, some of the other churches that initially have helped generations get started. But that whole story started in Seattle, the church planted there, and leaders who came to Oregon. And then uh, uh, eventually it goes down. Some of you know Dave and Lori Vina started the branch, and Kyle and Ruth uh, served with them before uh, they came here and started generations with the support of the branch. And our hope, by the way, just to let you know, is this story is not yet finished. Uh, I'll let you know when it's finished. You'll know it. Jesus will be back. <laughs> but until then, uh, there's a lot more people like you and I who didn't grow up in the church, who wouldn't know Jesus if someone hadn't shared their faith. And I think that's your sermon series, uh, Handing Down the Faith. I think that's the, the focus of the message this morning. Uh, but I want you to know that's the mission of Generations Church. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference to, I hope, all of us in the room, but uh, certainly for those of us who've committed our lives to Christ. And it makes a difference for some who aren't in here this morning. They're, they're down the block, around the corner, far from God, but need to be touched by the gospels. Thank you for, for sharing that, George. And I'm going to invite you back up here in a few minutes to, to, to lead that series. But hold on, before you go, I want to pray for you. Mm. And I want to pray for the ministry of the CEA 
and then we'll continue with our gathering time. God, you are good, and I am thankful for the work that you began many years ago and have continued to do in the lives of people who are committed to seeing other people trust and follow you. God, that has resulted in the CEA. God, and I just pray a blessing on George. I pray a blessing on that ministry, on the new churches that will start and be born and birthed this year, next year, many years from now because of faithful men and women who love Jesus and want to see more people love you. God, so I'm just so thankful for the CA. I'm thankful for George. God, I pray just for him and his leadership, um, for wisdom and guidance and for just discovery of more people who want to start churches. God, I, I just pray for the church as a whole in the Northwest. Uh, may she be strengthened and encouraged by the CEA, by new church starts. May we continue to remind ourselves that we are on the same team and in the same family. Thank you for your love and for your grace. Just blessing on George and his work. May it be fruitful and filled with just reward. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. I'm excited to hear from George more here in a second. He's going to be delivering uh, our message this morning. And so you get to hear more from him. But I just want to remind you of two things real quick. The first is that we know summer is a time of travel, of a time of high activity. And we just want to provide opportunities for us to continue to meet up together. So starting Wednesdays this week throughout this summer, we're having midweek meetups. Now the whole premise of this is just for you to get to know other people. No strings attached. Come, maybe we'll ice cream, barbecue, bring a frisbee, bring a kickball, uh, bring cornhole. Uh, we're going to just hang out at different spots throughout just our area. First week is at Menchie's. Um, there's a rumor floating around that if you show up first or second, Richard might buy your ice cream. So see him after and, and confirm, that, confirm that timing on that one. Uh, but we just hope to, to just spend more time together. Maybe you're traveling on the weekends. Maybe you're out of town. Uh, that's okay. We still want to spend time with you. And we are glad that you are a part of our Generation Church family. And maybe some of you who are watching online or watching the recording uh, know that you can't be here on Sundays. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to come hang out with us in person. The second piece that I want to reiterate, or I should say re-read, not reiterate, is that we are, anytime we have a guest speaker... We bring out this series called Asking for a Friend. And the reason we do this is because sometimes there, there, there are questions that you may have. Like, why plant churches? Why be part of a bigger organization or a bigger family of faith? And why is passing on the faith even important? And so that's what, when George comes up and speaks, that's why the series we're in. So we are taking a break from our songs we sing for one week, and we'll be back on that. And on that note, see, I'm freestyling here. We, we're doing a songs we sing series throughout the summer, so when you're traveling or going, that you're going to be able to get an understanding of the songs that we sing around Generations Church. Know the story and the, the message behind those songs. 
So in preparation for George coming back up and delivering our teaching, I just want to read Philippians 2, verses, I believe it's verse 14. Is it 14? What verse is it? 13. 15. I guess I could look behind me. Goodness. This is what happens when you're, never mind. So that you, Philippians 2, verses 5, verse 15. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in, an, in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Let me pray for George and he'll come back up and deliver our teaching. God, you are good. Thank you for this time just to gather this morning. Be with George as he speaks and as he shares. Thank you for just the stories that we shared this morning. I pray that this time is just encouraging for us to be together. Thank you for your love and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it's a great pleasure for me to be here and share with you this morning. If you have a Bible with you and would be willing to take it out and turn to that passage in Philippians that Kyle just read for us, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, I'm going to refer to that. Uh, I want to begin, first of all, uh, just by making the point that the majority of people here in the U.S., are far from God. You and I are the exceptions this morning. We're particularly exceptions here in the Northwest. In just a minute, I'll visualize for you, but you, you live on the mission field from a spiritual perspective. You live in what's arguably the most unchurched region of the United States. So it's, it's important uh, that, that we understand and ha have some appreciation for the fact that uh, most we're unusual. In fact, uh, the Bible calls us strangers and aliens. I don't know if you've ever read that passage in Peter, but he refers to those who believe in God and who believe in Christ as being citizens of heaven, but not citizens of this earth. Uh, you might feel that way from time to time. I know I have, regardless uh, of the fact that I have a birth certificate that I was born at Emmanuel Hospital in Portland, Oregon. Nevertheless, I still feel like an alien and a stranger in my own culture. Uh, when I get outside of the Northwest, uh, I mentioned Kyle and I met uh, on a trip back in, in Kentucky. That's in the Bible Belt. And uh, when I get in that region, people say, ask, are you from the great Northwest? And my response in the last couple of years, you know, it's not so great in the Northwest, really. Uh, it's still beautiful. <laughs> uh, and in my opinion, uh, it's supernatural here. Uh, I love it, wouldn't change it, am committed to stay, have family and kids and grandkids, but culturally, I find myself more and more and more disconnected from what are the prevailing values, uh, priorities, and lifestyle of my friends and neighbors and uh, those who, who live around me. Here's some of the reasons that contribute to that. And I'm, these are statistics I'm giving you nationally. But let me just paint this picture of how it is that most in our country are, in fact, far from God. Or if I can use a word, they're lost. They are a long ways away from a relationship with Jesus. In the next 24 hours, 
6,403 people will die. In the next 24 hours, 109,589 will, will voice struggles with fear and depression. 82 so desperate that they will commit suicide in the next 24 hours. 43 will die in alcohol-related car crashes. 3,110 divorces will be decreed in the next 24 hours across the country. 3,246 women will abort a child in the next 24 hours in the country. 1,312 students will drop out of high school in the next 24 hours. 28,206 people will be arrested somewhere in the U.S. 3,396 households will declare bankruptcy, and 167,000 people will query Google on the topic of loneliness. That's the world in which we live. And it's, it's not better here in the Northwest. In fact, I, I would argue that it perhaps is a little bit darker in this corner of the world. And the reality is that in the next 24 hours, thousands of people in America will die without any relationship with Jesus, and they'll spend eternity separated from him. I don't know about you, but that troubles me. I don't know about you, but that keeps me awake some nights, thinking about what George Johnson can and should do to be an influence. Kyle told me when he asked me to take this particular date that he was leading you as a church body in the topic of handing down the faith, quote, handing down the faith, the idea of sharing the gospel. And the reality is, had others before us not done that, then you and I would likely also be far from God. The way God has chosen to deliver his message is through people, people just like you and I, not trained vocational pastors like Kyle, uh, not gifted evangelists, but just regular everyday people. And in fact, I'll just tell you this, having been in ministry now for 40-some years in the Northwest, one of my greatest challenges is, is, is to be able to be seen and understood and heard just as a regular person. I, Kyle, wouldn't you say this? Being a, quote, pastor in our generation, in our culture, is not, it's not a credential. It's not something that you print up on a card and hand out and say, hi, I'm Pastor George. If I, if I want to end a conversation, that'd be the way to do it. Uh, I've learned, I travel quite a bit on airplanes, public transportation. I've learned if, if you want to have uh, a short conversation and just uh, basically get to take a nap, uh, then I introduce myself as a Christian evangelist. And, and we're usually done talking at that point. If I'd like to have a, a longer conversation, I'll share with them, I'm a social entrepreneur. And what I do is... Uh, help with uh, startup organizations for uh, nonprofits. Now somebody's interested. Now they want to know. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> yeah, how, yeah, can I get a piece of that? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, you could. Let me, uh, let me uh, visualize this for you. I'm looking for a slide that has an outline of the U.S. on it and a bunch of different colors. Here we go. So you won't be able to read the detail. Don't worry, your eyesight is not failing. Uh, but if you can at least um, make out the major colors, what you'll notice is uh, that, that blue is, is a color that indicates the, 
smallest percentage of believers in any part of the U.S. So notice, those of us who are out here on the left coast, and especially the northwest, that's the bluest region of the map. Do you see that? Let me visualize that a little more personally this morning. I'm just going to create an imaginary map of the U.S. right here in the room. And uh, those of you on both sides of the aisle, uh, just I'm making the announcement to you, you live in the Bible Belt, all right? And I need, uh, I need seven of you just to stand up with me right now. Just take a minute. I'm not going to ask anything else, but if seven of you will just stand right here in the Bible Belt. This is where our strength is. Great. I got uh, three, six. I need one more. One more true believer in the Bible. No, you can't do it, Richard. Da- down, Richard. Down. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Just stay standing. So these seven people represent the U.S. and and what's considered the heartland, the Bible Belt. Now, let's go all the way out here to the right coast, to the east. And I need two folks over here. Would you be one of them for me? And would you also be another one? So here's two believers. They represent the church on the east coast by percentage. All right. Uh, And now I need to come over here to the left coast. And now, Richard, you can stand up. We'll take you. Yeah. So, so there's the visual, percentage-wise, across the U.S. See, both coasts are pretty weak, aren't they? We'd say uh, the northeast and northwest are the two most unreached parts of the country. And you can see that in my map. You can see that in the colors. You see that where the blue is. Thank you. You can all be seated. The point simply being, you and I live on the mission field. We live in the region of the country that has the greatest need. But here's, here's the question. Who cares? <laughs> really? Who cares? I see a few hands. I hear a few voices. I'm glad for that. Let me, let me start off with affirming to you that Jesus cares. Jesus cares and said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36... Matthew's writing, he says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, that's an interesting description of what it's like to go through a pandemic, but I assert to you that the last few years have pretty much looked like that. Uh, In fact, in Seattle, just this week, an announcement was made um, by the parents of a young man who died in the chop region of Seattle and a settlement between the city of Seattle uh, and these parents because of the death of their special needs son uh, who was neglected, uh, really left alone on Capitol Hill in the midst of a pretty lawless season in Seattle. And by the way, if you haven't been to town, if you haven't been in my hood, it's still, it's, it's still uh, got a long ways to go, as does most of the Northwest. Uh, A part of what I do is to travel everywhere in the Northwest and to look at opportunities where the church is needed. And uh, visibly, I don't think there's ever been a season for me when I could see it more clearly than I can see it now. In Seattle, certainly, in Portland, in Eugene, uh, across the Northwest. Here's what Jesus said when he looked out and saw sheep without a shepherd. He said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, 
to send out workers into his harvest field. Really, this verse, these words of Jesus in Matthew 9 is a help wanted ad. And he's asking you and I, will we be part of the harvest? And he makes the observation, he makes the clear statement, he cares. Sometimes, honestly, I don't. Sometimes I'm just about going where I'm headed, getting there on time, and getting done what I'm assigned. And I lose sight of the fact that all around me are people who are far from God. And that my presence there could have, should have, some positive influence on them. Could you say about your life, can I say about mine, that we improve circumstances just by living in the middle of them? I like the quote, and I believe it was Paul McCartney. Uh, I believe these words are his. Life is what happens when you're busy making plans. At 65 years of age, looking back over my shoulder and over six children, now 16 grandchildren, I'm not sure where they all came from. (laughs) I think they're all related to me. (laughs) They believe they all are. Uh, But just the point is, a lot of life has happened in a blur. Does your life feel that way sometimes? (laughs) You're not sure just just how you got where you are, uh, but you know you took every step. Uh, you You can prove it by the shoe leather that's gone off the soles of your shoes. You can prove it. Uh, by calendars and uh, by tax records and uh, by the length of your lawn sometimes if you measure it uh, in shorter durations. But the question is, how are we spending that time? How are we investing ourselves? What are we doing, what am I doing personally to be invested in the lives of others to put in a good word for Jesus everywhere I go? Because that's the mission. And Jesus says very clearly, He cares. The whole New Testament is the story how God sends his son and then sends a people, his church, you and I, who are his followers. I think, I haven't heard Kyle explain this for a long time, the import and the impact of the name Generations, but I think, Kyle, if my memory is correct, that's all related to that, isn't it? Generations in Christ growing and handing down the faith. So we're not just here uh, holding the doors. We, we're not just here hanging on, but rather we're to be an influence and uh, to be a presence in our very culture. Here's the mission of God for you and I as believers for the church. Jesus said in Matthew 28, what's called the Great Commission, what arguably, especially lately, has become the Great Omission, I think, uh, in our world and and, uh, in the church's present existence. But Jesus said, this is the Missio Dei, the mission of God. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Who cares? Jesus cares. And he says, you and I, as his followers, his disciples, should care as well. He he wants us to be burdened. He wants our prayers to be filled with requests and appeals for the souls and the sake of others. That's the focus of the church. We only have one job, 
It's not to make the name of generations famous. It's not to uh, promote Kyle Davies or anything particular about this body, but it's to lift up the name of Christ. It's to make the name of Jesus famous. Every nation, every tribe, those who are far from God and who may be as close as next door, we are called to love and to reach out to with the message of the gospel. And so this verse in Philippians 2 appeals to us to shine like stars in the universe. Paul writes to the Philippians, shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. That's our one job. That's, that's our ministry. I want very quickly just to give you four keys to that little word star. First of all, we're called to be a servant. That's the S. And I want to appeal to you today. That's the best way to start in sharing your faith. Find someone who has a need and serve them. Not because it has any advantage to you. Not because it'll make your name great or advance your business or smooth relationships. But just because you want to be a servant. Secondly, I want to encourage you to share your story. You do that here regularly. In fact, I, I just want to commend Kyle and Generations Church because I get to see these online and hear them other ways. This morning I had the pleasure of uh, spending a bit of time with Jobina and hearing her story. You do a great job of sharing your testimony. That's what a testimony is, is your story. Keep that up. And you sharing the gospel is that simple. It's just saying, this is the difference Jesus has made in my life. I don't know if you might consider making him the Lord of your life, but I'll tell you, my life would not be the same if I hadn't done that. Sharing your testimony. And then uh, the A in that acronym, STAR, be authentic. Don't, don't try to be something you're not. I can't be Kyle. He's a, he's a better representative. He's, he's younger, certainly, and probably better looking, actually. I, I would just confess that. I guess that's why Ruth married him. Um, <laughs> Uh, I can't. I honestly haven't figured out any other reason than that. Uh, we, I, I, when, when Kyle and Ruth, we have a pretty, we have a pretty intense assessment process. Kyle can tell you about that. Uh, people have described it as kind of like a combination of Dr. Phil and Survivor and a prostate exam, pretty much all wrapped <laughs> into three days. And you come along and bring your wife. At the end of that whole uh, experience, and I was leading it with Kyle and Ruth. Our team said to Kyle, uh, Kyle, we, we, uh, we're just amazed. We think you got the right stuff uh, to plant a church, and we pray that you'll go and do it, come to the Northwest. And then we turned to Ruth and said, Ruth, what were you thinking? <laughs> when you married this guy, what were you thinking? Uh, but uh, be authentic. Be who you are, not who you're not. God's not asking you to... to uh, be or do or say anything that you're not, any truth that he's not already confirmed in your heart. Be authentic. Be a servant. Share your testimony. Be authentic. And, and here is the warning. Be ready. Because even today, in the next 24 hours, when you walk out of here, there will be a divine opportunity in your life for you to share as a servant, to share your testimony, to just authentically share your love, for those around you. So to be a star, to shine like a star, to hold out the word of truth, be a servant, share your testimony, be authentic, be
be ready. And I want to close with this poem. It was written by a man named Sam Shoemaker. Anybody happen to know who Sam Shoemaker is? Probably not. His name's not familiar, but you'll know him by when I describe him in this way. He's the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sam Shoemaker wrote a poem. He's best known for his work in uh, recovery groups and uh, literally across the world for Alcoholics Anonymous. But he wrote this poem, and I close with it because I think it's a perfect description of my role and yours as we hold out the word of truth shining like stars in the universe, as we, as we hand on the faith. It's titled, I Stand by the Door. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which people walk when they find God. The most tremendous thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing any person can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to the person's own touch. People die outside that door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter. Die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it. Live because... They have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. And so I stand by the door. I want to invite you this morning, if you'll join me and stand by the door. As we reach out, take hold of the hands of a grasping world and help them find that latch that responds to their touch in order to open that door and to come to know Jesus as you and I know him. Let's pray. Father, first, we are so grateful that your love is without limits, that you would give your only son for our sakes, that through him we can have eternal life. And Father, we're here this morning as the body of Generations Church, to commit ourselves personally and together as a church to be your witness, to be those stars in this universe until Jesus comes, to hold out the word of truth and the word of faith. Father, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. We know that he is your son and the living God. Give us the strength. Give us the opportunity and give us the words as we go and shine in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, George. We're going to go into a time of response where we're going to sing some songs together and we're going to say some words. And maybe this morning you just need to reaffirm some of your commitment to Jesus. Maybe for the first time you need to say yes to Jesus. We want to give you the opportunity to do that. Also, over these next few songs, we're going to give you the opportunity to reflect on your connection with Jesus by taking communion. We've got two tables, one on each side where you can go over there and find a little cup where it's got some juice and some bread, and that just re reflects where you're able to reflect on your connection with God because of Jesus and his sacrifice, his willing to be a servant 
for you. You're also going to see some black boxes where you're going to be able to, to drop your gen card in there. Maybe you've written some down some prayer requests. Maybe you're ready to give and respond generously. That is where you will drop those. And maybe you just need some prayer. Write that on the gen card or come find me or someone else and just ask for that prayer if God is stirring that in your heart. Let's go ahead and stand and sing these words together. May we commit ourselves to loving and living like Jesus well.